Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 90, Your Urban Legends Part 12, featuring, wait for it, Tim the Yowie Man. We got him. We got Tim the Yowie Man. We caught, we found him. Unlike the elusive Yowie, we were able to get Tim the Yowie Man. And we're going to tell you even more about how we managed to land this incredible interview. God, I'm so excited. It was a really great conversation. It's amazing. But first, we do want to welcome uh, the rarest of sightings, our newest patrons, Carl, Natalie, Mary, Alexander, and Tyler. Welcome to the party from the forest, as well as our supporting producer level patrons, Philip, Julie, Christina, Josh, Eeyore, Amara, Ella, Ashley Marie, Neil, Jessica, Maria, Ryan, Phil Fresh, and Deborah. Unlike the story that Tim the Yowie Man tells us that made us laugh hysterically, you are not a dressed up greyhound. None of you are dressed up greyhounds. Ah, so good. Uh, And thank you as well to Cassie, Sandra, Audra, Mercedes, Jack, Marie, and Leanne. You all are actual mythical creatures that we love and appreciate. And um, we hope that someday we'll get some cool blurry photos of you. Yeah, we see them frequently. It's great. Ah, man, such a good interview. Julie, what were we drinking when we were amazed that we could finally get a man in Australia on Skype to talk to us? (laughs) Well, Amanda, you know that I love to do local beers. Yeah. I do hometown urban legends. Um, This week, uh, one of the bigger name breweries put out a new beer, which is called Delayed Pilsner. And Amanda, as someone who just got off of a very delayed uh, Long Island train, how do you feel about that? That's uh, a little too on the nose, Jules. And I think that Sorry. my three-hour journey from Long Island home to Queens, which is, spoiler alert, on the same island, that would have been a lot better with one of these in hand. I'm sorry, but at least we got a cool, cool interview with crypto naturalist Tim the Alleyman. Hell yeah. And we also want to thank our sponsor this week, Skillshare, which is an online learning community where you too could make a course about crypto naturalism or just about anything else. You can teach, you can learn. It's really great. And at Skillshare.com slash spirits, you can get two months of Skillshare premium for just 99 cents. That is like only a quarter of a beer. Yeah. You're lucky you can get a beer for four bucks. Anyway, I'm crotchety. Uh, But before we get into the episode, I just wanted to ask you guys uh, for a five minute favor. So if you want to tell us a little bit more about you, about what you like about spirits, about how we can be better, what you like about Multitude, the podcast collective we are a part of, we would love your feedback. Spiritspodcast.com slash survey takes you to, in my opinion, a very beautiful survey that I wrote and designed. You did uh, amazing. Thank you. With photos, there's emojis, there's like cute little tidbits. I tried to make it fun. It takes literally four to five minutes. Um, and this is something that we are really excited to do as a collective for the very first time. You might be like, yeah, listener survey, whatever. But this is the only time that we have to collect actual data about who listens to us and to get your opinions, to hear your thoughts, to make sure that we are going to give you better stuff than ever in the next two and a half years, just like we have been trying to do for the past two and a half. So we would really, really appreciate your help. Spiritspodcast.com slash survey. Yeah, uh, like Amanda said, it takes only a couple minutes. Uh, It's adorable. Amanda asks some really cute questions. There's a really cute picture of us at the end that you can uh, see and be like, oh, they're adorable. And that's all you need. Honestly, do it for the picture. If not to help us, do it for the cute picture. Do it for the gram, y'all. Well, without further ado, thank you if you are taking that survey and helping us out. And everybody enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 90, Your Urban Legends Part 12, featuring Tim the Alley Man. (laughs) 
This is going to be a solid episode. I have a good feeling about it. Here's why. Okay. I haven't had anything to drink yet. Okay. I haven't eaten anything spicy. <laughs> I remember and that was a problem we, last time. <laughs> we are only doing one story each because of our very special interview at the second half of this episode so we won't get into that weird state we usually get around like the <laughs> second to last episode where we all slowly lose our minds so i feel i feel like i feel like it's gonna be a very positive very fulfilling energy where we won't like royally fuck up everything that we're trying to do in an episode okay but then you guys tell me oh the toyota plant was the best story and you like when we go off the rails and lose our minds. listen listen julia we get tweets to this day about uh people loving the toyota plant drawing uh images of the toyota plant sending us google image results that remind them of the toyota plant so i i stand by it we're also all wearing tank it. tops today and we look fresh as hell so it sounds like mine says donkey kong Ooh. Does yours yours says Donkey Kong? <laughs> Donkey Kong. Oh, it does. It's just it's just a. It looks like a. I thought it was a basketball jersey. <laughs> yeah, but that's it says the Donkey point. Kong. It's a basketball jersey that says Donkey Kong on it. The MVP of Super Smash Bros. It's obviously. In inaccurate in inaccurate statement about Smash Bros. Please don't tweet us. Julia, it sounds like you are uh, dressed and ready to go. So why don't you start us off? Um, always. Hold on. I'm going to expand my window so I can read this email better. So this email is from Lorelai, and the title of the email was Giant Kitty Cryptids. And so Whoa. obviously I had to choose it. Good idea. So Lorelai writes, I've been trying to think of how to succinctly tell you guys all the things I need to tell you, but I'm struggling. So this might be a ramble fest. Sorry. Always a good start. For starters, I'm from the middle of heckin' nowhere, Georgia, USA. So there's a lot of First Nations and Appalachian granny magic slash tales to influence literally everything that goes on down here. When we were kids, my maternal grandpa used to tease us about a wampus cat, a giant black panther-like cat with saber teeth and big red eyes. If you heard it scream, it meant certain death, and it would live in the woods and that it would come to eat us or steal us away if we stayed past curfew. Again, we're falling into that bloody bones category of don't stay out late or else the giant monster will destroy you. Heck yeah, Wampus. We, we know about this. We know what to do. So a few of the other old folks in my town have said or talked about similar things. A lot of people have stories to tell about this giant cat thing. My favorite story and probably the most terrifying came from my dad and my paternal grandpa. When I was just a baby, we lived with my grandparents in their trailer on about six acres of land. They had chickens, cows, pigs, and several dogs. They capitalized dogs, which makes me concerned. <laughs> anyway, their, their neighbors several miles down the road had goats. There had been a lot of deforestation and clearing of trees between us and the closest town, and my pop thinks that's why the cat found us. It was forced out of its territory and into ours. My grandparents noted one morning that they were missing several chickens, and one of our dogs had a pretty nasty cut on her face. They wondered if maybe Brownie the dog, adorable name, had attacked the chickens, but they found nothing in her pen. They decided that it could have been a fox or something, and Brownie had tussled with it and left it be. Chickens kept disappearing, though, and my uncle set traps, but they always came up empty. After weeks of chicken thieving and empty traps, my uncle borrowed a trail camera from his hunting club and set it outside the chicken coop. 
That morning, all the chickens were perfectly safe, the camera untouched, and nothing seemed odd, except for that on the opposite side of the property, my pop's prized male boar was gone. Cage pretty wrecked, signs of a struggle, and other hogs were in a panic. They rode down to the neighbors thinking that A, someone stole their pig, B, maybe a black bear, and hoping to see if the neighbors had seen or heard anything. But nope. Neighbors were missing almost an entire flock of geese, and just that morning they'd found one of their goats decapitated and left out in the field. The area of tall grass looked as though something had been laid flat and maybe rolled around in it. This is the part where my grandpa started to pull out the superstitions to blame this on, because have you ever seen a cat hunt or play with a toy or prey? They'll kind of catch it in their front paws, gnaw on it, wallow around in the ground, kick it with their back feet. Maybe, I don't know, a giant cat attacked your goat? Yes, uh, the answer is yes. Every time I see a cat attack anything, I'm like, oh, primal instinct predator i'm going to run you are the king or queen of this house thank you sorry (laughs) goodbye how was your weekend with your brother and his cat amanda uh she's amazing my niece maxine i uh she had a little like tea bag like kitty tea bag with a mellow catnip in it like one had catnip one had like mellow me out cat you know, stuff. The, the chill strain of catnip as opposed to really fucking shit yeah. yeah yeah she had she had like the the chillest of cat weed and so uh i used my toe to like move the tea bag around because i can't pet her because i'm a bubble boy but instead i just played it you know played with her with my toe and then she pounced on my toe I- immediately and i was like oh god i'm sorry if you want my toe as a tribute you deserve it you perfect creature regal animal um i bowed down to thee Correct. which toe was it big my, toe? my right big toe yes Ooh, that's you an need important that one. toe you can't lose that i know one. i know well i only I, I mean she was very sweet about it but she was just like clearly this is a moving creature and i'm going to eat it and i was like yes sorry goodbye correct They decide to go out and set up traps and the trail camera further into the woods between both properties. They figure odds are it's a pack of coyotes or maybe a really courageous black bear. While out in the woods, my dad described what he felt really unsettled, like something was watching him. It's kind of dark, so when he looks up into the tree line, all he can make out are these huge pair of red eyes and a somewhat bulky creature perched on a branch. My grandpa sees it too, and naturally they skedaddle the heck out of there. Correct. Good choice. So they cast this off as being late and my Nana's stories getting to them. Whatever is getting the livestock, it's probably a bear. A night or so later, they wake up to a huge commotion outside. My dad and grandpa go outside to see that Brownie and the other dogs, Pudge and Scooby, Oh, oh my god, so, so good. good. Uh, all pit bull mixes, an unnecessary addition, but I know how much you guys love doggos, so there's that. Thank you, Lorelai. They all have pinned something under the porch, and it's taking turns lunging under the porch at it. They said they weren't certain what to do, because if it was a bear, they could get hurt crawling down after it. If they shot at it, they could hit the dogs in the commotion. So they waited and agreed to just take them all to the vet first thing in the morning. The commotion outside continued for a little while, but they figured the thing managed to escape the porch and the dogs chased it off. In the morning, there were claw marks and muddy slash bloody cat-like paw prints in the dirt and tufts of black hair. And because of this, these are the questions I asked. Yep, all the dogs were okay, just very grumpy. In fact, uh, Brownie went to have a litter of puppies, and I have her son, Blackjack, with me today. Adorable. 
No, we don't think it was fatally injured because my brothers have reported seeing big red eyes on hunting trips. Others have still had issues with missing livestock, and sometimes we and other people talk about hearing a weird screech that isn't quite a bird, but is bigger than a stray cat. I'm relieved to hear these uh, tales because I've adopted this large cat as my best pal, and I only want good things for him. After that, it's just a big hungry cat who may or may not be a mountain spirit. Wampus cats are just a southern Appalachian-style cryptid, and many places have different variants. Some are called the galley wampus. Uh, sometimes they have yellow eyes instead of red. Sometimes they're described as a hyena. It's, uh, sometimes it's just an extra large panther. The root of the legend is from an evil Cherokee spirit known as the Ewa. It is dope, and I 10 out of 10 recommend. And ugh, I guess props to J.K. Rowling and her weird Pottermore canon about the American schools because the Wampus is the house mascot and cool as hell, but the whole thing is weird. And they said, that's all we got. Uh, love from the Deep South from Lorelai and Blackjack. Knocked it out of the park, Lorelai. Excellent Killed email. It. Excellent story. Got some good, good mythological roots. Got some good, good creepiness. Got some good doggos. Love it. Yeah. I mean, all around just a quality story mm -hmm. uh my um patronus as told to me by pottermore is a lynx so i feel particularly Ooh. seen by this story oh fancy eric what's your patronus according to pottermore a freight train what wrong <laughs> incorrect i don't remember because i did it like shame a long time ago shame. and get the shame the, bell shame? no whatever <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to sit here and take any shame for not remembering what that site told me was anything about anything. All right, so what what do you think your patronus would be? Probably uh probably probably a a, a deer. Yeah. A stag. That's cute. I'm into it. You you're going full Harry Potter. I get it. Yeah. Mine Julia's was a buzzard. Is the best. <laughs> I it's think a about buzzard. I think about the fact that your patronus is a buzzard like once a month. Thank you. Did that that's what they gave yep. you? Yeah. Wow, that's like that's intense. Yeah, that's a lot to for a website to put on someone. I am a I am a double snake with a buzzard patronus. A double snake because <laughs> the like snake? flying serpent or jeweled serpent or whatever the fuck for the the American house, and then oh. Slytherin and then buzzard. I didn't yeah I didn't do that one. I didn't get the other house. You shouldn't have. It's dumb. Anyway, Ooh, hot, take. hot take. Welcome welcome to Potterless. <laughs> I'm a 25 year old boy reading a book for the first time. 25 year old boy. That's what he says every episode. I'm sorry to tell you, Eric, but you're not 25. <laughs> oh, fuck. No, I'm called out. But, All right, listen. But I I sometimes I like to imagine. I've got a I've got a, like a, a somewhat a somewhat creepy story, and I don't want us to end on yes. it. I was just going. So I'm going to do my story I'll, now because I've learned my lesson. Is it oh, Eric right. safe though? Is the real question. Yeah, everyone emailing us with Eric safety in their uh, emails and their pronouns get my double gold star of approval. Beautiful. My story is it's like it's like creepy and, and like I don't know how to describe it. It's it's like dark but also hilarious. Tell us okay. the story. I'm telling you the story. It's from Jeffrey, and they write when I was in the first grade. I wasn't used to having friends, let alone having a girl have a crush on me. Being a little gay boy with an overactive imagination, my first reaction was to tell her the story of the curse that kept our love from happening. What? I told her Jeffrey! the tale of the blood red door. I love everything about this already. This story is great because it is straight from the imagination of a first grader. So like a seven-year-old. 
Like a six or seven year old. Six or seven. Yeah. Also, what little gay child has not been like, uh, uh, romantic attention. Here's a scary story. I mean, I sure have. Correct. They say that this isn't much of a story, but like, because it was 15 years ago, but it's it's quality mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. It's exactly what I'm always looking Correct. for in one of these emails. But what they remember is that long ago, someone evil used blood magic on a door <laughs> to the gym. <laughs> on a door to the gym supply room. Listen, guys, that was... that's why I can't attend PE. I can't go inside the blood magic. <laughs> that was facing the edge of the blacktop slash recess area. <laughs> the ultimate place to use blood magic. The red paint on the store was cracking and flaking off, revealing the old blue paint. This was horrific to my five-year-old mind. <laughs> Anyways, my weird way of letting her down easy was to say that I just couldn't reciprocate her love for me because of this ancient blood curse. Oh my god. And until the red was cleared, nothing could be done. <gasps> so she was like, oh, okay. And Rayleigh checked it on the stats of the blood red door for the <laughs> next year or two. And I told her, sorry, still curse. <laughs> I can only imagine that this little girl like wanting to go after her crush starts like chipping away at the red door. So I know that's I thought you were going to say like two weeks later in the dead of night, she stole paint thinner. Like <laughs> I, I definitely would have done that. So, yeah, that, they, they finish up by saying that's what first grade was like for me. Correct. Jeffrey. And I mean, what an intense, crazy story. Honestly, honestly, more small child curse creation, please, just in the world in general. So smart, so good, like so empathetic too when you, you're confused instead of being like, duh, you're dumb. Like you just come up with a lovely curse that's no one's <laughs> fault except for the blood magic. I love it. Just can't believe. My- Why did this th- a first grader know about blood magic? I didn't this find out true. about blood magic until like at least fourth grade. Maybe Hocus Pocus? My favorite part is that it is assumed that the red paint on the door was blood of course. the whole time. At a school, oh, yeah. but like, no one questioned and like a, that at and all. And like another first grader was like, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> Fuck yeah, you're right. Makes, it's defo blood. Sense. Amanda, what do you have for us? I have uh, some hometown urban legends from Finland. Ooh. So Nina writes in to say that they really enjoyed the uh, episode on Kalevala with Elena, uh, which we did as well. Um, And as a divination-focused witch, they wanted to share some hometown urban legends from their mother's hometown in Finland. Uh, uh, There were none, unfortunately. But in the neighboring and even smaller town, Julie's mom remembered a story of Tirnava's mirror boy. I'm concerned already. Mirrors are creepy on their own when there's not boys involved. Yes, Mirror Boy. So, Tirnava's Mirror Boy, his real name was Arnas Pasanen. Born 1894, died 1937. Oh no, not real dates. Not real dates. Oh yeah, we're bringing some motherfucking real dates into the hometown urban legends. So, he was a Finnish psychic slash clairvoyant. He found out about his abilities during his childhood, around 12 years old. During New Year's, when family and some neighbors had gathered to celebrate, they had tried to foresee the future using mirrors as tools. It gets more buckwild, Julia. Wait. In a calm room, they put a black linen, apparently better if it's a winding sheet for some reason, on the table. 
Then they put two mirrors facing each other to create an endless mirror hall. On both sides of the mirrors, candles were lit. In a version of this ritual, a water glass and a wine glass are put on the other sides. And depending on which side your partner would appear, it could be figured out if your future spouse would be a drunkard. So I guess drink responsibly. Wait, wait. The, when they say candles were put on either side of the mirror, does that mean on the front and the back side of the mirror? I assumed on both ends of the table in front of the mirrors. Both end, okay. Either okay. way, like, a... can we just pause to say this is fucking crazy and yeah. sounds so creepy, like it's black a... magic, V-bad. Not good. So anyway, our friend the mirror boy, uh, Pesanin, looked into the mirrors during one of these uh, New Year rituals and saw a girl about his age, his future wife, Ani, who he later married when he was 21. But his scrying didn't stop there. A retelling from a neighboring relative goes that her father had hidden his watch during haymaking and asked the mirror boy for help to find it. Because apparently seeing a girl in a mirror equals finding a watch, okay? Uh, Julie editorializes. Don't know. So... They went to the field together and asked the man to put his hand in a haystack at a specific point. When his hand hit the watch, the man was astonished. So as the knowledge of Mirror Boy spread, people relied on him for help. He helped people find misplaced things and cattle to find robbers and apparently even point out drowning places and murderers with his mirrors. One of the more memorable instances of his skills was when he asked to help solve a murder of one of the Marta Sachs in 1934. She was a co-op store retail worker in Kempele who was murdered during a robbery of the store. Uh, there aren't many details of the murder, but Pisanin did give the police characteristics of the murderer. Someone was later convicted, though there has since been suspicion that the wrong man was put to jail. There are a lot of conspiracies around this murder, including the mirror boy Pisanin receiving some threatening letters after consulting with the police uh, and was demanded in those letters to stay quiet. Pisanin died of cancer in 1937. He never taught anyone his skills, and he considered them to be a gift from God. He also never asked for money, only to be credited if anything was right. (laughs) Mostly, the townspeople reacted positively to his actions, though some thought that he had gotten his skills from the devil while he was lost in the forest as a child. That's that's quite a jump. Be like, oh, he got it from God. He got it from the devil while in the woods. What? So that is the very localized story of the mirror boy of Ternava. I was I was concerned. I thought it was going to be more like a boy appeared in a mirror and then murdered a bunch of people. I just couldn't get over that image of the future seeing uh, ritual. Like it is to me way less creepy to do the Swedish year walk and just like walk through a churchyard at midnight and encounter some animals and maybe some monsters like that to me seems way less risky than setting up like a black linen with two mirrors and candles and maybe some glasses like wild. (laughs) When I was growing up, my grandmother had a hallway behind her bedroom that was just like massive closets. Like, no hallway. Like a, a, no hallways ever. A, a hallway that was a clo- that were, both sides were closets, essentially. And Mm-mm. all the doors were mirrors. No. So we had Mm-mm. an entire hallway of mirrors. No. Like a little, like this was just a thing that we had access to as children. And it was awesome. How are you not dead? How is it? How is a like weird mimic not stolen your life? Is this like the Ohio version of the Palace of Versailles or something? Like I, <laughs> I can think of no reason why this curse that the seventies inflicted upon us of mirrored walls needs to stay. I feel like you have very like. I feel like I've come to you with like a very select amount of stories about Ohio, and you guys <laughs> think like Ohio is like the bougiest place. It's like yeah, my grandmother had like like they were they were well off. My grandfather owned his own company, but like 
it was in a pretty like slightly upscale suburb and then like my parents ha- live on a golf course but it's like the city <laughs> golf course it's not that impressive like i feel like you're like whoa ohio and it's like no it's pretty mostly like middle class stuff going on i'm just saying I'm, I'm not implying like i don't like have class implications i'm just saying that i think it's hilarious to have a mirrored hallway i don't want to look like, at myself you ever. said it's like the palace at versailles <laughs> well versailles, versailles famously had a hall of mirrors oh right i thought you were being like Ooh, Ooh, how bougie fancy, house just with like two no, Eric, people can afford fucking mirrors come on it's the 70s <laughs> or whatever i don't know <laughs> I'm not saying you were born in the 70s, Eric. It's not my application. I'm not not that far off, though. Well, you know, I think uh, a hall of mirrors would actually be helpful to our guest. Someone who spends his life looking for things, things that don't want to be found. But first, guys, let's get a refill. Amanda, I love learning. Yeah, we do. Yo, play with me in the learning space. I love the learning space. But in this age of the internet, we can learn anything. And that's the beauty of Skillshare, Amanda, an online learning community with over 20,000 classes in design, business, technology, the arts, and more. Yeah, they have so many amazing classes. And the premium membership is the way that they make money as a site and can keep, you know, serving you amazing classes and doing great customer support. The team there is also so lovely to work with. And it's always great when a great sponsor is uh, like staffed by amazing people. But premium gives you unlimited access to high quality classes. There are topics like Julia said, whether it's like design, business, actual stuff you want to learn for your skills, or like me, a hobby. So I participate in a community supported agriculture share. I know you know about this julia but i don't know if everybody else does it's a thing basically like a like a timeshare with a farm so you at the beginning of the season in the spring or over the winter in the springtime you pay some money to get a weekly delivery of produce from a local farm so here in astoria i belong to a csa every week i pick up a big old tote bag filled with vegetables and last week i got so many tomatoes i did not know what to do with myself until i thought wait I can make a sauce. I can pull a Julia. I can make something. And I'm allergic to garlic, so it is hard for me to eat Italian food. But I went to Skillshare.com, this is true, and looked up the Home Canning 101 class, where a lovely lady named Janet taught me how to make pickled vegetables and relishes and how to can them properly. So that is what I am doing with the rest of my Sunday evening. And I am so excited. I loved the class. It was really easy to follow. They have great notes. Other people in the comments are like giving you their tips and showing photos of their cans. It was great. So that is one of the many things that you can learn on Skillshare. At Skillshare.com slash spirits, in fact, you can get two months of Skillshare premium for just 99 cents. I am so jealous of your canning abilities now. And I can't believe you learned it through Skillshare. That's amazing. I did. Like, otherwise, what are you going to do? You're going to go to YouTube, like, look it up, hope that it's real and not like a content marketing blog post, blah, blah, blah. Like, genuinely, every class I've ever tried on Skillshare is, like, pretty short, to the point, fun, like, well done. It's got music. I really, really enjoy it. Well, that is amazing, and our listeners can have a very similar experience. If they go to Skillshare.com spirits, they get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents, about the cost of probably one tomato. 
which is in the really supermarket impressive. instead of my CSA, which is mad cheap and mad lovely. So again, you can go to Skillshare.com slash spirits to get two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for only 99 cents. And if you act now on this special offer, you can start learning how to can today or whatever you want to do. Yo. Yo. Thanks, Skillshare. Now back to the episode. So this is kind of a super special uh, edition of our hometown urban legends because we are joined by an expert, which usually does not happen. Uh, so we are lucky enough to be joined by Tim, the Yowie Man. Tim, I actually don't know your last name. I apologize. <laughs> well, for you guys, it's Mr. The Yowie Man. That is my name. Tim is my first right. The Yowie Man. I appreciate that. Um, so I guess what I kind of want to start with is Tim. How did you how did you get into the Yowie? How did you get into cryptids? What what engaged you first? What got you into it all? I I had absolutely no interest in cryptids until one particular moment in my life uh, back in the mid nineteen nineties when I actually saw something which I, I can't really explain um, and. Uh, this chance encounter with a creature which I can only suggest uh, was a yowie, a big, hairy, bipedal, hominid-like creature romping through the Australian bush. Uh, that, that sighting it literally changed my life and I, was, uh, and I set off on uh, uh, this long journey to, uh, to get to the bottom of as many cryptids uh, in Australia as possible. That's awesome. Can you walk us through that day, kind of like what led up to the encounter and then how you felt after? Yeah, sure. So uh, I was I was actually studying at university a, uh, uh, a degree in, in economics, and I was trying to value the national park, put a dollar value on the national park near the Brindabella Mountains, which is mm-hmm. the south of Canberra, which is the capital of Australia, which is a few hours south of Sydney on, on the east coast of the country. And it's a fairly remote area. And I was looking for bushwalkers to interview to ask them about how they valued the place. And it was uh, it was late afternoon, almost dusk. I hadn't seen anyone for hours. And out of the corner of my eye on this remote track, I see this movement in the bush. And my eyes glance up there. And it's a big, uh, it's a big creature in there. And my immediate reaction is, well, this is a big kangaroo, a big room. Uh, you know, what else can it be? Uh, I looked back a, a bit closer and, yeah, definitely wasn't a roux. What I could see about 100 yards away was this this, this massive, bulky, uh, short, dark head, like, like, a, like a gorilla mm-hmm. marching through the bush. And my immediate reaction, I, I was scared. I, I thought, what the heck is this? Uh, my immediate reaction was to turn and run. But then I thought, I need to keep my eyes on this creature for as long as I can because uh, it, it might come at me. It, it might attack sure. so i walk backwards step by step keeping my eye on the creature and for for what seemed like minutes but on reflection was probably only 10 20 seconds or so got back to a right. fire trail turned um and ran back to my car and that that <laughs> that sighting it, yeah it changed my life yeah that that would be my reaction too i feel like i would i would not be I would not be happy. I would not be excited. I would be very scared. Well, I, I, was, I, I was very scared. And, you know, if, if something like that happened now, now that I'm Tim the Yowie Man and I go looking for, for Yowies and Bunyips and Tasmanian Tigers and big cats, all strange cryptids, I'd love mm. it. But back then, I, I didn't even know that Australia had a Yowie, which is, the, of course, the Australian version, I guess, of, of Bigfoot or Squ- Sasquatch or Yeti. I actually mm-hmm. didn't realize we had that uh, 
that uh, that history in Australia at that point. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Oh gosh, that's such a that I can't even imagine going through that kind of experience. It, it's obviously extremely life changing in in your situation at the very least. And I think um, I'm curious. Um, like, how did you get started, like, seriously starting to look? Did you did you do research on it after that? Or did you just kind of, like, start telling the people the story and then someone was like, oh, yeah, that's a yaoi? Or how did, how did that go afterwards? Yeah, well, I actually kept the story to myself for a little while because I was afraid of ridicule when I, mm-hmm. I told my friends. And um, it was um, some sometime later, uh, you know, a few weeks or a month or so uh, that I, uh, I told some friends and... I thought they'd, you know, laugh me out of town and and, and think I was some sort of um, yeah, some sort of fool. But one of them had read a book uh, about uh, cryptids in Australia a few years earlier and said, "Hey, you know what you've seen? What, how you describe it? You've seen the Yowie, the, the Australian mm-hmm. version of Bigfoot." Oh wow! And I was I was fascinated, so I started immediately researching into uh, into the the Yowie phenomena, and and. Uh, uh, as a result of my sighting, I thought I'd go public with it. And I think I did a, a radio interview in on a local radio station in Canberra, mm-hmm. Australia. And from that, someone gave me some information on a report on a sighting they'd had. And it, I guess it took off from there. I sort of then I was obsessed, I guess, to get to the bottom of this Yowie mystery. And I spent years mm-hmm. trying to to find some tangible evidence. Oh, that's so cool. I'm uh, I'm really uh, curious about the term crypto naturalist that you use. What does that mean to you? Well, I guess uh, after f- uh, several years of trying to get to the bottom of the the Yowie uh, mystery, I guess what what it might or might be. Uh, I in 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 researching the Yowie, I came across many other cryptids, and you know whether it be you know the lock the famous Loch Ness monster or similar creatures in Australia and. And the chupacabra, you know, all the, all these cryptids, and mm-hmm. I became fascinated with all cryptids. I wanted to explore not just the Yowies, but all these amazing creatures that would take me all over Australia and many places in the world. It sounded like a sounded like a fun sort of job. And then I thought that you know, I've, I've read about um, cryptozoologists who, who who focus purely on these these cryptids, but I, I was more interested as well in expanding that to to anything which is sort of a bit unusual, a bit uh, that can't be explained in the natural world. So I thought cryptozoology was too um, too specific. To um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I thought call it, call myself a crypto naturalist to sort of uh, expand the the world of uh, unusual happenings, which I could um, delve into. I love that. So I'm the only one. I don't know if anyone else has also used. I don't know if anyone else has also used the term crypto naturalist. Uh, at uh, uh, yeah, uh, there's obviously many cryptozoologists out there, uh, and many of them probably also are crypto naturalists in their own right. But I don't don't know if anyone else actually uses the term. I really love it though because it uh, you know I I studied literature and naturalism and kind of like people who just like walk around exploring things like Theodore Roosevelt style um, you know just like going out into the world and encountering stuff um, and becoming like a self-taught expert I really love that idea Um, and zoology you know is obviously an academic discipline so I think it makes complete sense that like lots of us can aspire to be naturalists even those who don't go to you know zoology school Um, so I I saw it and it sort of pricked my mind like yeah that's that's pretty cool yeah that's spot on. Yeah, I don't have, uh, you know, I did end up finishing that economics degree. I don't have a degree in zoology or anything like that. It's exactly how you've, you've put it there. It's a, a term to describe 
uh, a self-taught naturalist who also loves to delve into into the unknown, uh, whether it be yowies or or even uh, other other strange creatures. Have you heard of the Ompak spatuloids? No, please no. tell us more. Come on, you, you must have heard of the Ompak spatuloids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, you probably haven't, but it was one of the, the most fascinating first sort of um, cryptids I I, uh, I came across in my in my research, and it was dating back to the 1800s in Australia, the early 1800s. First European settlers didn't really arrive here till the late 1700s. So Australia, as the country we know it now, uh, was um, you know was relatively new in that in that respect. Of course, we've got an indigenous culture, one of the oldest in the world. Uh, mm. But uh, <laughs> one morning there was these um, uh, at an outback station. Uh, these uh, these these naturalists were served up something very unusual for breakfast. It was a a uh, uh, about a twelve inch long uh, creature. It had a spatula like head. It was a dirty reddish color and it had armor like scales and a fringe like tail. And uh, this this naturalist, I think he was a, um, a naturalist from from France, quite a um, uh, an academic uh, zoologist, in fact, he was uh, also a museum director, and he was so intrigued at its peculiar appearance, he sketched it and sent it to someone in the, the French consul in Sydney. And they described it, and so much so did they think that they were the first people to, first Europeans to see this creature, that they actually named it the Ompak spatuloids as, it, as its scientific name. <laughs> However, <laughs> and this is the bit I love, uh, several years later, the stockman who served it up to the naturalist for breakfast um, <laughs> revealed that he'd actually served up the head of a platypus, which is an Australian oh, man. creature, the body of a mullet, a fish, and the tail <laughs> of an eel, which he'd strung all together to make it look like one creature. But oh, was, my God. But bits and pieces of three. And I love that because that, that so sums up Australia. Many people think particularly in that area, we had all these unusual creatures that don't exist anywhere else on the planet. So let's go one step further and make up even more unusual creatures. <laughs> very self-aware, very enterprising. I got to respect, you know, game recognize game. Like I, I, I see that there. Very, very funny. And I, I, I um, yeah, so what I like to do is I don't even, um, I, I don't, I'm not disappointed if I don't get to the bottom of a mystery because there needs to be the mystery out there for me to continue doing what I do. So if all the mysteries are solved and all the cryptids are either proved to be some sort of uh, other creature or a new creature to science or a hoax or whatever, then I've got no no job. So I love the fact that there's mystery <laughs> out there. I'm not encouraging people to make up cryptids like in that case, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, the fact there's still that mystery out there in a world which scientists claim they can s explain almost everything, I think we need mystery to give us that 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 bit of enthusiasm and, and zest in life. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, on that same vein, you, you've mentioned the Yowie, obviously you've mentioned bunyips. Um, what's, what's a Australian cryptid that you think doesn't get enough attention that it deserves more? On, on, a, on a global scale, the, 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 the creature that probably uh, needs more attention is, is our big cat phenomena. I'm not sure if you've, you've covered that in any other episode. Uh, Australia doesn't have no. any large cats, right? We don't have any mm -hmm. humors, panthers, whatever you want to call them. However, the most common sighting of a cryptid in Australia is of a big cat, a black panther roaming the east coast of Australia. 
There's reports oh. of this regularly. Um, it, it outnumbers Dowies, wow. Bunyips, Sea Serpents, Tasmanian Tigers, about 50 to 1. And uh, there's various theories as to what this big cat could be, whether it's something new to science. Some, one of the theories is actually that the Americans, you guys, uh, you, when you came <laughs> to visit our country in the Second World War, you had, you had uh, pumas as mascots on your ships. Uh, and when, that sounds like something we do. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> and when you when you docked at various ports around the country, uh, there's speculation that um, uh, some of the sailors let one of these or several of these loose, and that's what we're seeing today. But of course, that can't explain the fact that there's literally these big cats sighted right up and down the east coast of Australia, and so it really is. Uh, does capture the imagination of Australians. It's often front page news, you know, another big cat sighted near the Blue Mountains on the outskirts of Sydney. Mm -hmm. What is it? Uh, Many people believe they're just really massive feral cats, you know, pets that have been let loose in the bush. But uh, no one's got to the bottom of it. So on a global scale, I think that's probably the biggest cryptozoological uh, phenomena here in, in Australia. Interesting. That's fascinating. We often talk um, on the show as we, you know, discuss like older gods and urban legends. Um, I love when I make just like unexpected connections, like when a, you know, an ancient Sumerian goddess reminds me of like a thing in Harry Potter. Um, (laughs) And that's something that we really love about what we do. Um, But I also love that about people who have, you know, conspiracy theories or, you know, other kind of alternative ideas or timelines um, or explanations of things that they see in the world. Uh, is like it's so cool that something like a real you know documented historical phenomenon like that could have all of the pieces to add up to explain something that is unexplained right now and I just think it's like human brains love pattern and narrative and getting to see people together trying to put together like these puzzle pieces um, it's just so fun it is and and as you said those puzzle pieces that's a really neat way of explaining this alien alien big cat phenomenon where aliens mean means unknown of course of course not many people believe they've come from outer space, you know, alien. In the, it's, that would be cool too. Um, so they're called ABCs over here, alien big cats. But but uh, probably uh, I- I- on a global scale, the, the Tasmanian tiger or thylacine, have you come across that? I, I know no. I know a little bit about it. Not enough to ha- hold a good conversation though. Well, well, let me give you a little bit about it because this, this, mm-hmm. this is one of my pet, pet subjects because the Tasmanian tiger – you know, cryptozoologists, we're dealing with, or crypto-naturalists, we're dealing with creatures that mainstream science believes don't exist. The Tasmanian tiger is, is a hopeful one out there because we know it once did exist. So the Tasmanian mm-hmm. tiger used to roam all over Australia um, right up until about 5,000 years ago. Then the dingo, which is a wild dog, was introduced into Australia and it, it outcompeted the Tassie tiger on mm-hmm. the mainland of Australia. But just south of Australia... And still part of the country is a, is a state called Tasmania. And the dingo couldn't swim. So these Tassie tigers, <laughs> they lived on there uh, in, in, uh, in Tasmania for, for many years, right up until the 1930s. Uh, but they were, they were blamed for killing all the sheep on farms. So there was a bounty put on them and farmers went out and shot them and basically shot them to extinction. Or is it extinction? Because since 1936, there's been a long list of people that claim to still see this Tassie tiger out there roaming the bush. And there's, uh, although there's no conclusive evidence that it's still out there, uh, you know, there's various organisations and business people in Australia that have put sort of 
um, you know, a million dollars uh, to anyone that can can find conclusive evidence of the Tassie tiger. Uh, it's a creature with uh, a long tail. It's about the size of a dog and with stripes on it. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's a uh, really gorgeous animal. It is. It is absolutely beautiful. Have a look at, um, you know, look look it up on the web. The Tasmanian tiger. It's uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'd love to encounter one of those. Uh, in fact, one day I feel, I almost did. Did you want to hear about that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. <laughs> so this is about. Oh, I can't remember how long ago now, probably 15 years ago, I was down in Tasmania looking for the Tassie tiger because I wanted I wanted this million bucks, to tell you the truth. I, of course. Know, I been <laughs> can't blame you for that. <laughs> and uh, so I had this, um, they're nocturnal, so I had this uh, four-wheel drive and a, a camera mounted on the front driving around some of the, the remote dirt tracks in northern Tasmania where last sort of sightings of the creature were. And it was around midnight or so and driving along this road and there in my headlights is a creature. It looks like a Tasmanian tiger. It's, it's got mm. stripes. It's got the long tail. It's about the size of a dog. My heart's beating. I can't believe it. Here, finally I'm going to find something. So um, I stopped the car and got out and had my other camera with me and crept up towards the creature and I was really surprised it didn't dart away. And the mm. reason it didn't dart off is... It seemed to have a bit of a, a limp. It seemed to be injured in some way. And I thought, oh, well, even better chance to capture some sort of footage of it. As I got mm-hmm. closer to it, um, the most exciting moment in my life turned to the most disappointing. There in my torchlight wasn't a Tasmanian tiger at all, rather a greyhound with stripes Aww. painted on it. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what had happened to Amanda and Juliet? The, this, this guy from a local pub in, in Tasmania, he'd heard I was out on this expedition. He thought, oh, I'm going to get this young Yowie. Oh, man, and I'm going to prove oh that. That's hilarious. And he, let, he painted his greyhound and, and he was hiding around the corner and he'd let it loose. So I, I got done. So, But um, oh, that's just oh, part of the industry. My gosh. You have those fun moments. <laughs> that's very good I got, I gotta give that guy credit as as exciting as it would have been for you to actually see a Tasmanian tiger that is a really funny story <laughs> yeah, and I was absolutely livid at the time let me assure you I, I was oh yeah yeah time has healed that and now I guess I I, I, I do see the the humorous side of it well comedy when is I'm... just tragedy with uh, time added so yeah. <laughs> in that case this very is true much so. <laughs> What sort of people do you run across in your um, in your like daily life these days? I know that you do run uh, tours and events. So like what kind of people tend to attend those and uh, what sorts of friends and colleagues have you made along the way? Well, I guess when you're dealing with this subject matter mm-hmm. and you talk to someone who, who isn't sort of across the subject matter or not really into it, they assume or often will say, so do you just deal with crackpots? You're familiar with the term crackpots, like just crazy people. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but my my experience in, in, in uh, you know, over the last 20 plus years, sure, I've met the odd crackpot, but probably not much more than the average person in the, in the street. I've The vast majority of people I encounter, whether they come on my tours and events or whether they report a sighting of a cryptid or or whatever to me, they're just your average person. We call them Joe Blows in Australia. Just your average mm-hmm. Joe walking down the street, same as everyone else, not making up a story, not crazy in any way, just got something a bit unusual they want to talk to you about. They're not sure 
what might be the reason they're or the you know the origins of whatever it is that they've seen and it's more often than not it's it's those people they just want to similar to when I had my Yowie side, you know, I kept it to myself uh, and then spoke to some friends. But th- there's a lot of people out there that have these stories and then they, uh, they see people like myself and others that, that are in, the, in this sort of industry as, as someone they can almost confide in. A lot of them don't want you to tell, to expand the stories to others and, and distribute it, but they just want to tell you about their story and uh, yeah. because you know, they know that, that I'll listen. Yeah, I'm sure there's almost a therapeutic aspect to it, you know, where people that probably feel quite vulnerable or uncertain um, can come to someone that they know will at least hear them out. And indeed, and sometimes you've got to spend uh, uh, hours, sometimes days listening to people because yeah. they've got this story they've, they've had in, built up in their, you know, and they haven't shared it for, for 20 years or something and, mm-hmm. and and you're there and they want to um, outpour all this uh, this encounter the emotion associated with it. it's almost like a uh, someone for like a, a priest or a reverend from a church. You, you have to, to list, sit mm. there and, and listen and, and try and provide some guidance. Often, of course, you can't because uh, the, the world of crypto naturalism, cryptozoology, is it a, you know is, a, is an uncertain one. Absolutely, Tim. Do you want to plug anything? Uh, a website, uh, your social media stuff, anything like that? Uh, yeah, so I've, I've written several uh, uh, books on Australia's strange phenomena. One's called The uh, Haunted and Mysterious Australia. Uh, and I find there's, there's been quite a lot of interest from the US in people uh, looking at these mis- mysteries, whether they're cryptids or haunted locations or cursed mm-hmm. places, UFOs, the like. It covers all of that. And uh, so I've, I've made that available on my website to, uh, to anyone in the US. You can uh, go to Yowie Man, that's Y-O-W-I-E man.com.au and uh, it'll have information there has how you can find out about that book and I've just started a uh, an online series on YouTube where I'm uh, delving into and investigating various unusual and strange happenings in Australia uh, so if you go awesome. to YouTube and look up Tim the Yowie Man the series you'll start seeing some of those episodes pop up there I am subscribing right now. I can't wait. And that is very much up our listeners' alley, so I'm sure everyone will go check that out. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. Also, I'm also on Facebook. Just look up Tim the Yowie Man. Love to hear stories from all around the world and uh, have been to the uh, to the to to North America on, on numerous occasions in search of the, the Bigfoot or Sasquatch. And mm. actually, before we go, just to the one of the questions I'm often asked is, how does the Bigfoot or Sasquatch compare to the Australian Yowie. And Ooh, yes, please. some researchers many years ago uh, did some, some some fellow researchers in Australia, Tony Healy and Paul Cropper, who focused purely on the, uh, or more, mostly on the Yowie, they did some research into the similarities and differences. And one of the differences was a difference in height. Um, so the Bigfoot or Sasquatch is actually, on average, uh, uh, about six inches taller than the Australian Yowie. So huh. I guess if we had a game of basketball, uh, the Americans would still beat us, even if it was the Yowies versus the Sasquatch or Bigfoot. Uh, that's fair. That's <laughs> oh, I love that. Can you Tim, that? thank can you. Imagine, s- can you imagine them playing basketball? Uh, <laughs> it'd be I'm, a, I'm a thinking of Space dream. Jam, but better. <laughs> a marketer's dream. Well, you know, I can see people flocking to see that. Can't you? Oh, for sure. That would be yeah, like Jurassic I'm, Park, but 
a singular event. Yes. <laughs> I'm still trying to get over the ABCs, the alien big cats. Those, that's just the most amazing initialism <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And in fact, you guys could, you guys, you've got some clout, you know, you've got a big phone. Maybe you could organize it. Maybe that's your aim for, for 2019 to organize this Ooh. basketball match between Bigfoot and Yowie. There's the challenge. You know, if we commercialize it. It's yeah. a big potential market. Maybe that would draw them out of hiding. Never yes. know. <laughs> Do Yowies well, Tim, and Bigfoots you. subscribe to capitalism, Amanda? Uh, you know, I not, think unfortunately they, they, they're I very th- elusive. Yeah, it's very hard to 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 find those. But very few encounters where people have actually had a physical interaction with a Yowie. They're, they're mm. when they're seen, they usually the Yowies sort of uh, uh, slip away into the bush. So uh, I'm not I sure respect it. coming forward, even if you even if you wave in a checkbook. <laughs> I, I'm with the Yowie on that. <laughs> well, Tim, thank you again for uh, taking a few minutes out of your morning to chat with us and for being so friendly on uh, on Twitter and Facebook when two random Americans were like, oh, my God, this person. Uh, so thanks again. And if we're ever in Australia, we know who we're going to call. Same same here for New York. You're absolutely welcome to hit us up uh, next time you uh, tour through Bigfoot territory. Yeah, I, I can't wait. And yes, I'm sure you you guys will come on tour one day, and I'll take you out there, and we'll, we'll find uh, we'll find an ABC, a, a bunyip, yes. a tiger, and an Australian sea all on the same week. Oh, I love it! Best week ever. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. All right, see you soon. Bye. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.